0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea and Jess, and we are kind of looking at, we're looking at Jeremiah. We're not kind of, like, we're definitely looking at Jeremiah. Um, But what we're kind of seeing is like the end of formal Judah and Jerusalem, uh, the continuation of people being hauled off into exile. So there's a lot of interesting things in this reading. Uh, We do get into Lamentations as well, just briefly. Um, So as we read over this, what stuck out?
2: Uh, For me, it's the big picture of these last few days in reading through, and then we finally get to the destruction Uh, The literal description of the temple being destroyed and all this buildup. And it's just interesting how chronologically in reading this passage, you get so much more out of it. Mm. You get that vision. You see all the warnings, all the warnings, and then boom, here's the day. And it's not just in one area in the Bible. Again, like I believe Chelsea had mentioned in a previous podcast, it's the fact-checking the Bible does to itself. We're 2 Kings, we're in Jeremiah, and we're also... Uh, in Second Chronicles, where it describes the very specific tearing down of the temple. So all this buildup, all this warning, Nebuchadnezzar comes in, destroys the people, and now the temple. And it, it's just sad. It it's is. really sad to see all the warnings finally come to fruition, and then uh, it wraps up with some La- lament. And lamentations Mm -hmm. and some
0: sorrow. It is. Yeah. I think like reading the Bible this way, like you said, you just don't get the same emotions coming out of it Mm -hmm. as you – to read it chronologically is like you said before is to read it like a story. And so you get this like devastating feeling of this city that was so beautiful and meant for God's people gone. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas when you're just reading 2 Kings, you're like, "Eh, and then that happened. Mm -hmm. But like now we've walked through all the prophecies, all the sin, all the – Going back and forth, are you following God or are you not following God? And now it's like it's over. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: So on the on the note of like all the amount of time that we've covered, um, there's this really interesting line. Um, it's at the end of Jeremiah 52. It's Jeremiah 50 or I'm sorry, no, it's Second Chronicles 36. Um, twenty-one. So the message the Lord spoke through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until the seventy years were fulfilled. Um, this is a direct callback to Leviticus. So if you're not super familiar with how the Bible works, uh, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, third third book of the Bible. Um, Jeremiah is is much later, um, mm-hmm. in, both in numbers of books of the Bible and just dates. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeremiah is calling back to Leviticus. Now, what's happening in Leviticus 26 is just the blessings and curses of God's promise. So God lays out this covenant, and the covenant is basically like a like a contract or an agreement. And the contract says, if you follow me and obey my commandments, I will bless you. If you fail to obey my commandments, I will no longer bless you. I will actually curse you. And so the curses in Jeremiah 26 actually lay out exactly like this long story has played out. There's, there's curses that are uh, sicknesses. There's curses that are like horrible things. Like we've, we've read passages where people were trapped in the city and had to eat their kids. Like, that's one of the curses of the covenant. Another curse of the covenant is being carried away into exile, enemies taking over your lands, and the land enjoying rest. Um, so it's actually, uh, let me see, this is Leviticus 26. And again, this is very, very early on in the Bible. Um, Twenty Leviticus 26. Verse 33, I will scatter you among the nations, I will unsheathe the sword after you, and your land will be a desolation, and your cities will be laid waste. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate while you are in your enemy's land. The land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. So not only is this just like sort of a sad story, it's a sad story that was laid out by God all the way back in Leviticus as a part of this contract. Um, so we see God being consistent, doing exactly what he said he would do. Uh, and we also realize the pain of, like, they could have listened. And if they would have listened, they would have continued to live in, like, this glorious temple period where they're, like, blessed by nations and they're seen as um, opulent and successful. And now they're just, like, strangers in Babylon.
0: Hmm. Um, and then we go into Lamentations, uh, which is has a couple of different famous verses in it. But just to give an overview of Lamentations, it is written by Jeremiah um, in the middle of... Jerusalem being destroyed and the rest of Judah going into exile. And it's this super interesting and powerful book that, um, walks through the pain and lament of the destruction of this city that was meant for God meant for God's people. Um, and Jeremiah weeps over the city. Um, he's called the weeping prophet for a reason. (laughs) The lamentations is one of them. Um, and then the other thing I want to talk about a little bit was like, the purpose of lament, mm-hmm. um, because I think that's something that we don't focus on a lot as believers, but there is this um, this purpose to lament that is lamentations, um, that brings us closer to God and uh, expresses pain in, in, through prayer. Um, we have psalms of lament, and we have lamentations that just are super powerful passages of just what it means to go through suffering. Two books I want to recommend on lamenting. <laughs> <laughs> lament for a Son which is written by a guy who lost his son to suicide. Mm. talks about um, his journey to getting closer to God through lamenting this awful tragedy that happened. Um, and then Paul David Tripp's book on suffering is mm. very good too. But uh, it's it's poetry. This is a poetry book. And it might be hard to understand at times, but it's there for a reason. So I'm kind of excited to dig into it. I'm kind of apprehensive too, because it's there's a lot of deep and crazy stuff in it too. Uh,
1: imagine the context of... Jeremiah writing this profound mm-hmm. sadness. Um, I, I said earlier, I, I work at worship center. It's a pretty big church. Like, there's a lot of staff. There's a lot of people that attend here on a Sunday morning. Um, for me, it's like imagine this place where I work. Like, if all of a sudden it's and I'm not saying it, it's judged, but just imagining Jeremiah's context. Imagine Jeremiah seeing like the place where he's been. So he's been working, working air quotes, you can't see him, um, on the Temple Mount. Like, he's been working in the temple. The temple's now destroyed. So imagine going to your place of work. The The walls are torn down. There's, like, grass growing up through what used to be carpet. The rain just, like, falls down on the, uh, you know, the the main stage and the main auditorium. Everybody's gone because they've just been carried off somewhere else. And there you are. Like, in your office, trying to figure out what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've probably experienced some profound sadness. Yeah, And then to that, add to that, like the spiritual component that is, this is judgment of the Lord on people who refuse to be obedient to this mm-hmm. incredible promise that he had given them. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's sad. And Lamentations mm-hmm. is super sad.
0: Yeah. And um, just thinking about the inspired... Word of God. Yeah. That Jeremiah is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this. Yeah. And you think about God's heart for Jerusalem mm-hmm. through it too, yeah. that he's also weeping over this people that he loves. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty powerful.
1: Uh, one more interesting thing that I noticed, and this actually happens very early on in the passage. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, the last time we saw him, he was helping to oversee the loss of Zedekiah's sight. <laughs>
0: It's um, <laughs> a very G way of
1: putting it. <laughs> um, so he's he's basically overseeing this intense effort, really an evacuation effort of carrying the people out of Jerusalem. This is mm-hmm. a, this is a very very big military operation of bringing people out of their home city and carrying them off to a distant land. He finds Jeremiah. He almost like seeks out Jeremiah. Um, And Jeremiah is in chains. So imagine Jeremiah, he's being carried along in captivity in this train of captives in chains. Um, And Nebuchadnezzar orders that he be released and be given the option of either following his people to Babylon or staying in Jerusalem. Why is it that Nebuchadnezzar, again, Nebuchadnezzar is the bad guy. Like in the the eyes of Israel, this is a bad dude. Why is it that Nebuchadnezzar has this soft spot for a prophet of God?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh Ryan, answer. <laughs> what,
2: it, <laughs> it, <laughs> Why do just, you think? <laughs> it's just interesting because this is
1: not his first interaction with the prophet of God. He's mm-hmm. he's interacted with Daniel, um, he's interacted with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. He already knows who the the God of Israel is, and he has some affinity towards him. Um, so much so that he says things in this passage that sound like they should be coming from a prophet of Israel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, this judgment is upon you because you did not obey your God. Uh, You're being carried away because you're experiencing the punishment of your God. This is a pagan leader Mm -hmm. who is now speaking the voice of God because he he has experienced the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Um, So Nebuchadnezzar, the bad guy, like the big booming villain of the story is the one who releases Jeremiah because there is some softness in his heart for Yahweh, the God of Israel.
0: It's Mm -hmm. very interesting. I think it's interesting that Jeremiah chooses to go back. Yeah. Instead of going to Babylon, where he knows the exiles are, where... um, yeah, that's he chooses to go back to. I mean, I'm 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 sure that was a choice inspired by God. Yeah, um, but it's interesting that he chooses to live there. It, mm-hmm. It's
1: interesting what God's doing. He's he's setting up representation of himself in both places. Mm-hmm. So Jeremiah Jeremiah will relay, remain in Jerusalem. Um, we have Ezekiel and we have Daniel, and, and I'm sure hosts of other people mm-hmm. now in Babylon. So we have. God-seeking, God-fearing people now in both places.
0: Yeah, and then going back to the thing that we talked about before, where God's presence is not just in Jerusalem; He's big enough to be in multiple places at once. Yeah, and they're finding that out in exile.
1: It's possible too. Jeremiah has obeyed God, uh, so Jeremiah does not fall under the curse of God's covenant, mm. and so it's possible that that's one of the reasons Jeremiah can stay.
0: Yeah, he's got to go back to his land that he purchased. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's got that.
1: He's got that <laughs> sweet of... piece of property. <laughs> Uh, something tells me the market was not great at that time.
0: (laughs) 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 Jeremiah 39, beginning in verse 11. King Nebuchadnezzar had told Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, to find Jeremiah. See that he isn't hurt, he said. Look after him well and give him anything he wants. So Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, Nebuchadnezzar, a chief officer, Nergosharizar, the... King's advisor And the other officers of Babylon's king sent messengers to bring Jeremiah out of prison. They put him under the care of Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, the grandson of Shaphan, who took him back to his home. So Jeremiah stayed in Judah among his own people. The Lord had given the following message to Jeremiah while he was still in prison. Say to Abed-Melech, the Ethiopian, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. I will do to this city everything I have threatened. I will send disaster, not prosperity. You will see its destruction, but I will rescue you from those you fear so much. Because you trusted me, I will give you your life as a reward. I will rescue you and keep you safe. I, the Lord, have spoken. The Lord gave a message to Jeremiah after Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, had released him at Ramah. He found Jeremiah bound in chains among all the other captives of Jerusalem and Judah who were being sent to exile in Babylon. The captain of the guard called for Jeremiah and said, The Lord your God has brought this disaster on this land, just as he said he would. For these people have sinned against the Lord and disobeyed him. That is why it's happened. But I'm going to let you take your chains off and let you go. If you want to come with me to Babylon, you are welcome. I will see that you are well cared for. But if you don't want to come, you may stay here. The whole land is before you. Go wherever you'd like. If you decide to stay, then return to Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, the grandson of Shophon. He has been appointed governor of Judah by the king of Babylon. Stay there with the people he rules. But it's up to you. Go wherever you'd like. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, gave Jeremiah some food and money and let him go. So Jeremiah returned to Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, at Nizpa, and he lived in Judah with a few who were still left in the land. Second Kings twenty-five, beginning in verse eight. On August fourteenth of that year, which is the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuzaradan, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, and an official of Babylon, of the Babylon king arrived in Jerusalem. He burned down the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. He destroyed all the important buildings in the city. Then he supervised the entire Babylonian army as they tore down the walls of Jerusalem on every side. Then Nebuzaradan, and the captain of the guard, took as exiles the rest of the people who remained in the city, the defectors who had declared their allegiance to the king of Babylon and the rest of the population. But the captain of the guard allowed some of the poorest people to stay behind to care for the vineyards and fields. Then the Babylonians broke up the bronze pillars in front of the Lord's temple, the bronze water carts, and the great bronze basin called the sea. They carried all the bronze away to Babylon. They also took the ash buckets, shovels, lamp snuffers, ladles, and all the other bronze articles used for making sacrifices at the temple. The captain of the guard also took the incense burners and basins, and all the other articles made of pure gold or silver. The weight of the bronze from the two pillars, the sea and the water carts, was too great to be measured. These things had been made for the Lord's temple in the days of Solomon. Each of the pillars was 27 feet tall. The bronze capital on top of each pillar was seven and a half feet high and was decorated with a network of bronze pomegranates all the way around. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took with him as prisoners Sariah the high priest, Zephaniah, the priest of the second rank, and the three chief gatekeepers. And from among the people still hiding in the city, he took an officer who had been in charge of the Judean army five of the king's personal advisors, the army commander's chief secretary who was in charge of the recruitment, and 60 other citizens. Nebuzaradan, and the captain of the guard took them all to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And there at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, the king of Babylon had them all put to death. So the people of Judah were sent into exile from their land. Jeremiah 52, beginning in verse 12. On August 17th of that year, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar and the captain of the guard and an official from the Babylonian king arrived in Jerusalem. He burned down the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. He destroyed all the important buildings in the city. Then he supervised the entire Babylonian army as they tore down the walls of Jerusalem on every side. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, took as exile some of the poorest of the people, the rest of the people who remained in the city and the defectors who had declared their allegiance to the king of Babylon and the rest of the craftsmen. But Nebuzaradan allowed some of the poorest people to stay behind to care for the vineyards and the fields. The Babylonians broke up the bronze pillars in front of the Lord's temple, the bronze water carts, and the great bronze basin called the Sea, and they carried all the bronze away to Babylon. They also took all the ash buckets, shovels, lamp snuffers, basins, dishes, and all the other bronze articles used for making sacrifices at the temple. The captain of the guard also took the small bowls, incense burners, basins, pots, lampstands, ladles, bowls used for liquid offerings, and all the other articles made of pure gold or silver. The weight of the bronze from the two pillars, the sea with the 12 bronze oxen beneath it, and the water carts was too great to be measured. These things had been made for the Lord's temple in the days of Solomon. Each of the pillars was 27 feet tall and 18 feet in circumference. They were hollow with walls three inches thick. The bronze capital on top of each pillar was seven and a half feet high and was decorated with a network of bronze pomegranates all the way around. There are 96 pomegranates on the side and a total of 100 pomegranates on the network around the top. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took with him as prisoners Sariah, the high priest, Zephaniah, the priest of second rank, and the three chief gatekeepers. And from among the people still hiding in the city, he took an officer who had been in charge of the Judean army, seven of the king's personal advisors, the army commander's chief secretary, who was in charge of recruitment, and 60 other citizens and the captain of the guard, took them all to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And there at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, the king of Babylon had put them all to death. So the people of Judah were sent into exile from their own land. 2 Chronicles 36, beginning in verse 15. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent his prophets to warn them, for he had compassion on his people and his temple. But the people mocked these messengers of God and despised their words. They scoffed at the prophets until the Lord's anger could no longer be restrained and nothing could be done. So the Lord brought the king of Babylon against them. The Babylonians killed Judah's young men, even chasing them into the temple. They had no pity on the people, killing both young men and young women, the old and the infirm. God handed all of them over to Nebuchadnezzar. The king took home to Babylon all the articles, large and small, used in the temple of God and the treasures from both the Lord's temple and from the palace of the king and his officials." Then his army burned the temple of God, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, burned all the palaces, and completely destroyed everything of value. The few who survived were taken as exiles to Babylon, and they became servants to the king and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. So the message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until the 70 years were fulfilled, just as the prophet had said. Lamentations 1 Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She, who was once great among the nations, now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she is now a slave. She sobs through the night, tears stream down her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one left to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her and become her enemies. Judah has been led away into captivity, oppressed with cruel slavery. She lives among the foreign nations and has no place of rest. Her enemies have chased her down and she has nowhere to turn. The roads to Jerusalem are in mourning, for crowds no longer come to celebrate the festivals. The city gates are silent. Her priests groan. Her young women are crying. How bitter is her fate? Her oppressors have become her masters, and her enemies prosper, for the Lord has punished Jerusalem for her many sins. Her children have been captured and taken away to distant lands. All the majesty of beautiful Jerusalem has been stripped away. Her princes are like starving deer, searching for pasture. They are too weak to run from the pursuing enemy." In the midst of her sadness and wandering, Jerusalem remembers her ancient splendor. But now she has fallen to her enemy, and there is no one to help her. Her enemy struck her down, and she laughed as she fell. Jerusalem has sinned greatly, so she has been tossed away like a filthy rag. All who once honored her now despise her, for they have seen her stripped naked and humiliated. All she can do is groan and hide her face. She defiled herself with immorality and gave no thought to her future. Now she lies in the gutter with no one to lift her out. Lord, see my misery, she cries. The enemy has triumphed. The enemy has plundered her completely, taking every precious thing she owns. She has seen foreigners violate her sacred temple, the place the Lord has forbidden them to enter. Her people groan as they search for bread. They have sold their treasures for food to stay alive. O oh Lord, look, she mourns, and see how I am despised. Does it mean nothing to you at all? All you who pass by, look around and see if there is any suffering like mine, which the Lord brought on me when he erupted in fierce anger. He has sent fire from heaven that burns in my bones. He has placed a trap in my path and turned me back. He has left me devastated, racked the sickness all day long. He wove my sins into ropes to hitch me to a yoke of captivity. The Lord sapped my strength and turned me over to my enemies. I am helpless in their hands. The Lord has treated my mighty men with contempt. At his command, a great army is coming to crush my young warriors. The Lord has trampled his beloved city like grapes are trampled in a wine press. For all these I weep. Tears flow down my cheeks. No one is here to comfort me. Any who might encourage me are far away. My children have no future, for the enemy has conquered us. Jerusalem reaches out for help, but no one comforts her. Regarding his people Israel, the Lord has said, Let their neighbors be their enemies. Let them be thrown away like a filthy rag. The Lord is right, Jerusalem says, for I rebelled against him. Listen, people everywhere, look upon my anguish and despair, for my sons and daughters have been taken captive to distant lands. I begged my allies for help, but they betrayed me. My priests and leaders starved to death in the city, even as they searched for food to save their lives. Lord, see my anguish. My heart is broken and my soul despairs, for I have rebelled against you. In the streets, the sword kills, and at home there is only death. Others hear my groans, but no one turned to comfort me. When my enemies heard about my troubles, they were happy to see what you had done. Oh, bring the day you promised when they will suffer as I have suffered. Look at all their evil deeds, Lord. Punish them as you have punished me for all my sins. My groans are many, and I am sick at heart.
1: Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM or you could actually email us at podcast@worshipcenter.org. at You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's Whole Story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like.
2: We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.